everyone and welcome to this week's on the spot where we break down what the most recent happenings in the freight market are. I'm Zach Strickland, director of freight market intelligence here at Freightwaves and with me as usual, JP Hampstead, director of passport research. Welcome JP. Hey, thanks for having me, Zach. Um, well, I mean, so we've had a big week. -ish. Yeah. Another one like the 26th in a row after the. Uh... <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I think the biggest news this week in terms of the data was just that that Valentino rejection index retook it an all time high, um, you know, leading into Q4, mm -hmm. really still in kind of like a lull period before peak season like truly kicks off. I think that's what's interesting is that we're traditionally October's kind of a softer month. You know, we have this September where the, you know, a lot of the shippers are pulling forward, getting ready for retail peak uh, in November, December, the rails and the maritime get really active. Um, and then there's kind of this lull period. You know, two years ago, we saw a dramatic drop. It was basically what we called the end of the great freight boom back in 2018. Uh, yeah, volume dramatically. Last year, we had a little bit of a moderation. They didn't have a lot of room to fall, <laughs> uh, but this right. year, we didn't see that. This year they're pretty flat um, and uh, markets held their momentum. Um, SPA rates dipped for a second, came back up. I mean, the national average uh, drive-in truckload SPA rate on truckstop.com is like 295 a mile. Um, <laughs> high for yeah. national average. And that's, that's including fuel, but still. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so like I think that, I think that's really the big story is that like it, even though it appeared like the, maybe a couple weeks ago that things might cool off a touch, they never really did. And so I mean, we fully expect those spot rates to continue to go up in, in Q4 as as demand spikes again, as uh, capacity is a little bit more constrained, with people trying to get home, maybe some bad weather in different places, things like that. Um, you know, so. I just think that this is like as strong of a, a platform to leap into Q4 as we could have expected. Yeah, I think that all the numbers look as, yeah, like you said, as strong and as sturdy. Uh, you know, there doesn't appear to be much weakness. You know, you look out on the ocean, imports are still flowing in. We came down a little bit off of September, August, September highs. Uh, you could call that the peak, but we have not retracted that much off of that peak flow. And we've got Golden Week that just occurred and nothing really came of that. Now October's Golden Week isn't necessarily as impactful as the one that happens in a winter, right, right, right. the Chinese New Year. But still, there was almost no stoppage of flow. Um, right. The ports are still very active. We've got Los Angeles still competing for capacity with Harrisburg and the Northeast, Northeastern corridors. They kind of have this tug and war going on uh we have a hurricane uh yeah a major another one about to hit uh, Louisiana delta again. right we're, yep. we're now the greek alphabet yeah. um so <laughs> everyone go back to school and and, and you know, go back to the your uh, fraternity house and try to remember your greek letters uh we'll see how far in, in that alphabet we get this year because i think there's another depression actually further uh to the southeast in, in the atlantic basin but but yeah um lake charles looks like it's about to get it again and you know Thoughts and prayers go out to the Gulf Coast community. Obviously, they've had a rough uh, 2020, um, yep. and we, you know, we've seen a little bit of, of effect, right, um, mm -hmm. on along the Gulf Coast. Uh, higher, ten, you know, tender rejections came down, like you said, I think right. earlier uh, before we started this conversation, and then have now come back up as carriers avoid the area. 
Well, you know, we, we've done studies on this in the past. You know, Daniel Pickett and his team has, uh, you know, looked at some of the telematics information and seen that carriers essentially just they go in and then they come out and they they basically put up a radius around the uh, the coast, the impact zone, and they're, they're poised, they're basically sitting there waiting uh, for the hurricane to pass before they re-enter the area. And, uh, you know, I think that's what we're seeing materialize in the tender rejection rate right now is they're really basically avoiding going into I wonder, I wonder what happens uh, to this area in terms of like future freight demand for the rebuilding and reconstruction efforts, like after a second, like if, if a second hurricane comes through, um, you know, causing an equivalent amount of damage as they've already seen. Like, does that create more freight demand later? Does it create less? Like, I've, I saw some photographs that a meteorologist shared last night of, of Lake Charles, and there's still like just wreckage everywhere yep. from the last hurricane. Um, and, you know, to the extent that some buildings may be damaged, right? Mm -hmm. And now they, if they get hit by another one, do they, you know, are they further damaged? Um, it's, it's hard to say. Like, did, did, does it lead to just people just not coming back, you know, for an extended period of time? You know, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I wonder, like, what um, sort of this double dose of hurricane destruction, like, does just for a rebuilding and relief timeline. You know, it sounds like you need to do some research yeah. uh, for some hurricane sounds impact like on it. the freight market. I don't think that it's going to have as much of an impact due to the fact that the eye has actually shifted uh, slightly. You know, it's 15, 20 miles forecasted, 15, 20 miles further east this time, which again is a lot less populated area. Yeah, so it's like the middle of nowhere. In, it, in there's, it's swamp. I mean, it's a legitimate swamp. And again, fortunately, these hurricanes, I mean, Lake Charles, you know, again, it's rough for them. But again, you know, it is hitting areas where, you know, are far better than like a Tampa Bay or, you know, if you're hitting in some of that, you know, Panhandle of Florida area, Pensacola, that, you know, all it's going to take, like, if these were to hit in some of these highly populated, very dense areas, it it would be a co complete catastrophe. And unfortunately, it's not. But, you know, in terms of the freight market, you know, it since we are hitting low infrastructure areas, low population areas, it does tend to have a lot lower impact right. to overall capacity as we know it. But, you know, we have, you know, ironically, the hurricanes have not been the main story for freight this year. We have not really seen as much disruption from hurricane as we traditionally would. You know, Harvey and Irma still fresh on people's minds. Uh, the freight market itself, though, has not needed any help from natural disasters. COVID right. still driving like a lot of these. Yeah, yeah COVID-related like mm -hmm. uh, disruptions and changes in spending. I mean, it's 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 almost hard to like. I feel like in 2017, these hurricanes helped touch mm -hmm. off a cycle that already had some underlying fundamentals supporting it, and right. they were just kind of like a catalyst. Exactly. And I don't feel like this year a catalyst was necessary. I mean, I mean, COVID was the catalyst, right? Um, and so the, the hurricanes have been, you know, had like sort of marginal impacts, but it's like, it's like throwing a lighter fluid on a bonfire that's already raging. Yeah. Right? So let's, let's continue on with this comparison to 2017-18 and those freight markets, because that's the last time we've had this kind of disruption in the freight market. Tender rejections being over 25%, uh, volumes being a lot higher than they were the year before, coming off of a soft year into a hot year. 
what uh, you know, carriers are obviously having a heck of a time trying to keep up with all this capacity demand. Uh, but you know, the fact is, is that we're talking about in 2021. What is this going to do? I mean, you're, you guys just did some research. And carriers are obviously, I'd like to break that down a little bit. Yeah. I'd like to hear a little bit about how carriers have done this year and what was has been a struggle for a lot of other industries. I mean, April and May were bad months. So, so we, we just did our um, asset operators report, which we do monthly, mm-hmm. and um, it's, it's going out a little bit later today. And it just covers sort of like truckload carrier specific data. So a lot mm-hmm. of times we do trucking markets that has to do with like rates and capacity and it applies maybe as much as to three PLs as it does carriers. Mm-hmm. But th- th- we really focus in on things like revenue per driver per week, operating ratios, equipment values, fuel spreads, things like that. Mm-hmm. And I mean, basically all signals are flashing green right now for truckload carriers. So uh, revenue per driver per week is over $4,000. Uh, empty mile percentages are down below 15% in the 14% range, which is pushing operating ratios down to around 95%, and that's consolidated right. uh, company drivers and owner ops. Where were ORs in 2018? I mean, it took a while for uh, carriers um, to really recognize some of these ORs, whereas we're seeing them effectively, you know, drive yeah, those no, ORs like, down now. They've gotten, they've just now gotten back to like 18 levels, okay. um, essentially. And and so that that's great. That's I mean, uh, the fact that operating ratios have been improving for months now, mm-hmm. and carriers still feel like they um, have pricing power, is allowing them to reinvest in equipment. Mm-hmm. So we saw new truck orders spike in September to thirty-one thousand units, um, which is above the replacement level. Although that's coming after a really deep sort of trough right. in orders. Um, so it'll take a while for that to really play out. We're also seeing used truck prices, the three, four, and five-year models all move up mm-hmm. kind of, um, you know, simultaneously. Right. I, um, so that's, you know, I, I just feel like the the carrier sentiment is that the, the rally has legs, they're reinvesting, they're replenishing their fleets. Things like that. Um, we'll see, you know, and, and even in some parts of the market, we're seeing driver wages go up. And I think what's really important now, you know, th- there's still a lot of uncertainty uh, with the progress of the virus, the macroeconomic picture, mm-hmm. ultimately freight demand, you know, fiscal stimulus, sim- fiscal stimulus <laughs> yeah. et cetera. And I, I just think that it's really important for carriers to stay disciplined, to focus on yield management control costs to the extent possible. I mean, that's, that's always true, but it's... it's, it's when they get, a, they get a few dollars in their pocket, the operation tends to get a little bit looser chasing that dollar. <laughs> I know, but yeah. I just think like now is like really a time to, to try to buckle down, stay disciplined and be as profitable as possible. Yeah, and you know, we've had a couple of articles. I wrote one this past week about you know rate increases coming down the pipe next year. Uh, you know, I did a very high-level correlation between you know CAS truckload line haul index, the PPI for long-distance truckload, and OTRI, United States. So basically, a very macro look at this to see what kind of impact that 2018 OTRI would have on the market. You know, looking at reject or uh, rejection rates in combination with contract rates, uh, effectively. And it looks like, you know, if things remained the same, 
that contract rates would go up roughly four to six percent, somewhere in that range, uh, if it were all equal. Now, I think in 2017-18, we had a lot more, um, I think carriers were a lot more optimistic. What do you think about that? I do. I remember going to industry conferences in 2018 and people talking about um, this you know, very constrained and elevated market being a new normal. Mm -hmm. um, I don't really think that people are, are saying that now. I think there's a little bit less sort of irrational exuberance mm -hmm. because of the uncertainty I just mentioned. Right. I mean, I, I think, you know, 46% sounds reasonable. You know, I think people, I think, you know, w w when you have pricing power, you take as much as you can get, right? Sure. Um, and. And so we'll, we'll see how that plays out, and we'll see just how uh, contract freight is repriced mm -hmm. as we move through. Because if you look at the CAS truckload line haul index last year, we saw a 6% retraction. You know, 2019 was not <laughs> a right, So a 6% increase does not get you back to where you were. Right. Yeah. So basically, they're going to claw some of that back. Uh, but they're not all going to get all the way back, more than likely, to where they were. And, you know, again, thinking about the fact that there's still so much uncertainty in the marketplace. Is this, you know, a lot of the goods that are moving through the economy right now are, it's adjustment. People have been working from home. They've been, you know, supply chains have been readjusting their inventory levels. They've been repositioning dis distribution centers, et cetera, uh, to, you know, start this adjustment process. That's going to slowly, at some point, start to normalize back, and they're yeah. going to start to be able to forecast demand a little bit better than they did this year because a lot of what we're seeing right now is the the fact that they did not forecast the demand right. for some of these goods right i mean when you see uh shipper you know large sophisticated shippers who normally have extensive q4 planning and uh deep sort of collaborations with their three pls Right. Uh, nor in normal times, <laughs> you see them going to these like frantic cost plus projects to to uh, uh, turn over inventory before peak season. Mm -hmm. You know, like thousands of loads and stuff like that. Like, y you know, clearly like they, they they're panicked. They're they're trying to buy capacity. They're trying to buy service. They don't know what consumer demand is going to be, and they're just trying to be prepared, right? And so I think like as you say. When demand normalizes, when um, people are better able to project <laughs> sales and things like that, yeah. you know, pricing will, will become more rational. Yeah, these wild swings have been somewhat normal here over the last three years. Well, thank you so much, JP, for uh, joining us today. And thank you so much for watching. Be sure to download the FreightWaves TV app uh, and check us out on all the podcasts and all the FreightCasts, uh, the Dooner and the Dude, all the stuff that FreightWaves has to offer for keeping you in tune with today's freight market. Have a great weekend.